as well, you know. Welcome to another edition of the uh, the Double A Team. Thanks for joining us tonight. I am Steve Nagishi. Normally, my co-host uh, Ken uh, Ken Fang will be the one uh, doing the uh, opening intro, but uh, unfortunately, uh, he is off to uh, tonight for a, a health uh, issue, which is uh, nothing serious. He just wanted to uh, take time off and uh, be ready for the uh, the next show in two weeks from tonight. In case if you've been following, uh, you know, Ken's been going through a lot in uh, recent uh, weeks, months. Uh, his dog had a health scare. Um, and, uh, you know, his aunt and uh, uncle were involved in a, uh, a church shooting uh, in late May in uh, Laguna Woods, uh, California, if you remember. Um, uh, thankfully, both of them are are doing well. Um, and uh, obviously, Ken has had to uh, deal with that as well, and now he has to deal with his own health issues. So, um, thoughts and uh, prayers, obviously, to uh, him, and uh, hopefully, he will be uh, back healthy and uh, ready to go in uh, two weeks. So, uh, I'm doing solo again, which I have been doing for quite some time in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, hopefully, all of you are used to it by now. And uh, we thank you for joining us on the, another edition of the Double A Team. Uh, the tonight's guest will be uh, John Jock Taylor. Uh, he is a uh, columnist with the Dallas Morning News, uh, writer for the Undefeated. Uh, he has his own media company called the JJT Media Group in uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, we're very, very excited to uh, have him because I know him personally. Uh, well, not not in a professional matter, but I've met him when I was uh, living in Dallas, Texas. Uh, listen to his uh, radio show uh, on uh, ESPN Dallas, which unfortunately the station uh, went away and switched its format. And uh, he has a, a, a great article, which is a cover story of Sports Illustrated for those who still subscribe and read uh, Sports Illustrated or who uh, check out Sports Illustrated on their uh, website, uh, a cover story of Deion Sanders and the rise of uh, HBCU, uh, historical black college universities. Um, Jock uh, began his career covering uh, Cowboys with the Dallas Morning News, with the likes of uh, Tim Kalashaw and uh, Ed Werder, uh, the names that I think a lot of you are familiar with, uh, both of them uh, working for ESPN and, and regularly appears nationally. And uh, he knows Dion very, very well on and off the field. And that relationship that uh, he has with Dion has led to this uh, great uh, story of uh, Dion Sanders' rise in the uh, college football scene, despite not having any coaching experience. And uh, I'm very, very interested to uh, talk to him and uh, really get to know more about the rise of Dion and uh, 
the impact that he has had on the HBCU and whether HBCU can, uh, he and uh, Jackson State can, uh, you know, put a dent in the uh, recruiting war with the uh, the likes of Alabama, Georgia, which is not an easy thing to do in the South, given the uh, the wealth of talent that they have to compete with the, the D1 school that has uh, more cachet and the value. But uh, they made a huge dent in the uh, the, the recruiting world uh, earlier this year when number two uh, player Travis Hunter of Swanee, Georgia, ended up flipping from, ironically, Florida State, which is uh, Deion Sanders' alma mater, if you remember, and ended up joining uh, Deion Sanders at uh, Jackson State, which obviously ruffled the uh, the feathers the wrong way to people like uh, Nick Saban and uh, other uh, college coaches that uh, obviously didn't uh, seem amused about losing a, a, a top recruit to, uh, you know, HBCU and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, sorry, I had a little bit of a phlegm there, but uh, uh, it will be interesting to uh, hear uh, JJT's story and uh, he'll be joining us in a, a few minutes. And also the second guest tonight is uh, A.G. Perez, the uh, senior reporter for Front Office Sports. Um, very interested to know more about the uh, what kind of website the, uh, the Front Office Sports is about. A.J. has been covering a lot of stories about the, uh, the Washington Commanders and their uh, dysfunctionality on and off the field. Uh, their defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, made uh, real uh, headlines off the uh, over the weekend, if you remember, him saying that the Jan 6 insurrection was nothing more than a dust-up. Uh, he ended up uh, having to offer a half-ass apology and, like many, uh, ended up deleting his uh, Twitter uh, the day after, or at least yesterday. So, you know, as a Bears fan, we all, all get frustrated with the... Uh, the functionality of the McCaskey family. So at least we can look at the uh, the commanders, uh, formerly the football team and the Redskins, and and see what the hell is happening with the uh, the Washington commanders and uh, so on and so forth. All righty. Uh, we are welcome. Uh, it looks like our first guest is here, uh, co columnist for the Dallas Morning News, undefeated SI cover story. And now the uh, the president of his own media company, Mr. John Jack Taylor, aka JJT. How are you, sir? Oh, I think you're muted. Uh, do you have your uh, microphone on, sir? Uh oh. <clears throat> Hold on. Uh oh. Sorry for the technical uh, glitch there, uh, folks. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's try it again. JGT, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Hmm. One second. Uh, let's see. Can you hear us? Oh, I think you have a muted sign over uh, next to your name, sir. All right. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm not I'm sure not we can hear him. Hear him. Uh, Jean, can you count down? Give me a 10, 9, 8. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. 
Yeah, for some reason it's it's muted. We can only hear a whisper of what you're saying. Uh, do you have? Uh, are you using your computer microphone? Thank you. Pre appreciate it. Well, great start to the show, Stephen. We've got uh, tornado warnings here in Chicago. <laughs> um, yes, yes. In case uh, you're wondering, <clears throat> all those in the uh, Chicago area, and uh, he told me about a, uh, I see uh, Foster's telling of us, uh, obviously, he lives in the area, so he can vouch for that. There is a uh, tornado warning in the Chicago area, correct, Aldo? That is correct. Uh, it is hitting the northwest suburbs and north suburbs and headed towards Wrigley Field. Uh, they can use some hitting, so tornado <laughs> 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 will help get their offense. All right, Jean-Jacques, uh, give us a test in there. Uh, it's, yeah, it's the same. It's weird. Hmm. Hold on a second. Testing one, two, testing one, two. Yeah, that's not working. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we're working with a little bit of a technical difficulties here, but uh, folks, uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate your patience. Uh, JJT will be back uh, with us uh, just shortly. Um, well, while he's off, uh, even uh, what can we talk about regarding Chicago sports? What's on been on your mind that's been uh, really irritating you? <laughs> well, it, the, Cubs, the Cubs, have been, Cubs have been really irritating, uh, I think, a lot of us, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was going to bring it up uh, probably at the end of the show, but I'm just going to just, you know, blurt it out, you know, before JJD comes out. I think yesterday's uh, performance kind of pretty much signaled the end of uh, 2022 season officially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having Frank Schwindel pitch for the second time uh, this year is not a great sign. And then what bothers me the most about not just the game itself, but the uh, I think a lot of people have been also commenting on this is that um, the release of Clint Frazier, a, an outfielder who was designated for assignment, but yet they still have. Um, you know, Jason Hayward uh, and, uh, uh, you know, others who are still manning the, uh, you know, the, the roster spot that uh, that doesn't really make sense and really contradicts what the, you know, the Cubs are trying to do, at least for this year. Mm -hmm. so they said that they were going to compete uh, or they're ready to compete. And then all they did was add Stroman and Suzuki, who are, neither, neither of them have been uh, making, you know, impact yet so far. You know, Stroman has been in and out of the DL. You know, he had COVID. Uh, Suzuki, unfortunately, was ready to come off the, uh, the D, you know, IL, I'm sorry, uh, with the ring finger injury. But it looked like he probably won't be back until the end of the month or even perhaps at the uh, near the All-Star break at this point, mm -hmm. the, 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 according to some reports. And um, you, you, you signed those two players and then you put together a bunch of uh, 3A, 4A you know, rosters, which, you know, occupied by the guys like, you know, um, you know, Simmons and, uh, you know, VR and, you know, uh, you know, the bunch of guys that really, you know, th there are a couple of others who have been since been released, Hermosillo and uh, among others, you know, that uh, really has not done, you know, jack squat with the team when they were playing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I don't know the, uh, the hesitation of, you know, releasing, you know, Jason Hayward at this point, 
Look, I don't think, you know, Clint Frazier is going to be like a world beater. Unfortunately, his uh, uh, season had been marred by injury himself, and he just got back uh, from the IL before he was released. And if you remember, he was actually a member of the Yankees, and he was actually released during that series. I don't remember him even playing because he was talking about how he's in a much better spot without having to – deal with the uh, the facial hair and the uh, the appearance issue that the Yankees are very, very strict about, whereas in the Cubs, that, that was not the case. And then he's no longer with the team, and yet you still have Jason Hayward occupying the the spot. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, just like what I just did, I'm, I'm scratching my head as to what the Cubs are really trying to do, you know, where they're going. You know, it's it's pretty much inevitable that uh, you know they're gonna trade off Contreras, even though they settled the um, arbitration dispute this last week. Mm-hmm. You know, their pitching is just uh, abhorrent. You know, both starting pitching wise and the uh, the you know the relievers, they're really really stretching it thin. Um, so, I know the minor league system is um, you know doing its job, but. Uh, at this point, I'm just pretty much. I think a lot of fans are pretty much out of it. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see more empty seats at the uh, Wrigley Field as a, a, a protest against the Ricketts, you know, for their, you know, effort. You know, we talked about this in our show a couple, uh, maybe a month or so ago, mm-hmm. or even two months, when the Ricketts were trying to team up to buy Chelsea, the uh, the Premier League team, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, for some reason, I think the Ricketts, you know, Tom in particular, who's the, you know, the front and center of uh, in all of the, uh, the you know, the Cubs and the involvement to buy Chelsea mm-hmm. is using somebody else's money. You know, Tom is Tom is not the one who made the money. You know, he's obviously using his father, Joe, who founded the TD, um, you know, Waterhouse, which is an online trading brokerage firm mm-hmm. to buy the Cubs. And, and he was also. Chelsea teaming up with a local billionaire uh, fund fund uh, investor, Ken Griffith. So I'm just really curious to know where Tom Ricketts are and where they're where he's heading. Oh, look like John JGT's back. Can you hear us now? Yeah, <laughs> he's always been, he's always been able to hear us. Is we just can't hear him. We still can't. Okay. Let's see. I don't have, have any- a on my end. Mm-hmm. Can, can you use your phone, Jean-Jacques? Yeah, just use the same link and the phone should work fine. Yeah. All right. Good. So uh, we're going to uh, try and stretch out a little bit with uh, AJ as well. But uh, I'm going to make a phone call to uh, AJ and uh, let him know that we're a little bit uh, stretched in. Or um, you want me to do that? No, I'll take care of that. I'll send them an email. Go All ahead. Right. Go ahead and talk about more of the Cubs. Okay. So it's basically where, you know, uh, the Cubs are heading. Uh, at least this year, um, you know, you don't get to see the Cubs regularly like you used to on WGN. If you're from the Chicago or somewhere in the Midwest area where you get WGN, um, you know, Marquee, to be honest, I don't know where, where where Marquee is, and you know, even I think local fans are probably 
scratching their head about where to find marquee because of the cable dispute at one point maybe did not allow you to watch the game. Oh, JJT, you don't know. Can you hear us now? Yep. Looks like all right. Second, Thank you so much. I'm very, very sorry that you had to go through all of this. But no worries. All good. Good, good. All right. Thank you so much, folks. Uh, without further ado, uh, Mr. Uh, Sexy himself, Jack, John Jack Taylor, <laughs> with the uh, Dallas Morning News, Undefeated, and his own media company, JJT uh, Media Group. Thank you so much for doing this tonight. Hey, my pleasure, Steve. Hey, uh, I know JJT. We met several times at a remote when you were doing a show in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, for uh, several times. Uh, I don't know if you remember, you know. No, but don't take it personally. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. But uh, anyway. Um, I remember you on Twitter more. Uh, yes, yes. I've uh, reached out to you on uh, Twitter. You know, you do a podcast, which we will plug it up uh, later during the show. But uh, I reached out to you on the Twitters. And, uh, you know, you've been very, very uh, kind in responding. And, uh, I, uh, you know, I do have a real uh, connection with you because I enjoy listening to you as well as your writing and your uh, work as well. Well, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, let's get to the business. Um, you recently uh, had a feature article on SI on Deion Sanders and the rise of HBCU. For those of you who are not familiar with the term HBCU, it stands for Historic Black uh, College and University uh, College and Universities. You've been covering. Uh, Deion Sanders for quite a while, correct? You've been covering him since you were the beat writer for the Dallas Cowboys with the uh, Dallas Morning News, correct? Uh, yeah, started covering Deion in uh, 1995 when he showed up in Dallas. And, uh, you know, uh, up until he left after the 99 season. But because he lived in Dallas, I, uh, I maintained a relationship with him. And then what happened was he had a football that he used to do all, literally all summer. And right. my son went to his camp for a couple of years. And when I say, you know, Dion ran the camp, when I dropped my dude off a lot of times at uh, 7 o'clock, Dion would be there. Mm -hmm. so I'd go in and talk him up for a few minutes or whatever. And when <laughs> I pick him up at, you know, 4 or 5 o'clock, Dion would still be there. And so I'd uh, talk him up a little bit more. And, you know, this went on for years. And a couple of different times he had projects uh, that he wanted me to do. So he'd pay me for those and I'd do those kind of projects for him. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of evolved over time. And when he got this job, ironically enough, um, I think the news was out that he was going to get that he had gotten hired. And I don't think I did anything with it. Uh, mm -hmm. but that's what got the excitement going from uh, ESPN's perspective. And so they asked me if I could get him, get him for an interview. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, I think so, but I haven't talked to him in a minute, so let me see. And ironically, whatever they asked me to do that, uh, his he was the offensive coordinator at Trinity Christian Cedar Hill, kind of like the de facto head coach, but he was certainly the offensive coordinator. Right. And um, they happened to be playing my son's team a couple weeks after he had agreed to be Jackson State's coach. And so I said, uh, I told ESPN, like, you know, I don't know if he wants to talk or not, but his team is playing my son's team. And so I will definitely see him on this day at this time. Then it'll just be a matter of whether he wants to do something or not. So I saw him and uh, we chopped it up and he was great. And he was like, yeah, hit me up. I got it. Don't worry.
worry about it. And uh, we did something on that. And it just kind of progressed from there, man, until this season coming up. They were like, uh, we loved what you did during the COVID shortened season. Mm -hmm. Just cover him this year for us and, uh, you know, bring a different kind of flavor to it and write about, you know, everything that's going on with the with the school and the city and the university, not just the wins and the losses. Yeah. You were writing the uh, article chronicling uh, Dion's um, uh, coaching uh, for the undefeated, correct? Well, we call it Anscape now. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it changed about two months ago, so we gotta get we gotta get it up. It's Anscape, but yeah, Anscape. It was formerly, formerly undefeated. undefeated. Uh, okay, my apologies for that. No worries. You had to travel from. I remember listening to your podcast. You you always chronicling about traveling from Dallas to Jackson and then back, and it's a must have been a hell of a schedule driving back and forth. Just to and then also you covered the Cowboys as well, uh, you know during the football season. What what is it like to drive from Dallas to you know Jackson and then be back? That's a hell of a schedule for you to deal with, wasn't it? Well, I think uh, I think the uh, it was a little different this year. Uh, matter of fact, I was trying to figure out today. I spent some time trying to figure out how I was going to manage logistics uh, mm -hmm. this upcoming season. Last year was kind of crazy because. Um, I did radio. I told you my son played for a local team. It's called DeSoto High School. Right. Uh, That's uh, big, that Von Miller is a uh, famous alum there. There you go. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> so it's a big time football program. Yes, sir. And this year was the first year they had a radio broadcast. Oh. Um, so they broadcast all the games. And so they asked me to uh, participate on the broadcast as a sideline reporter. So I was basically doing my son's games on Friday night as a broadcast reporter, yeah. uh, doing Dion on Saturday, and then doing the Cowboys on Sunday. Wow. Uh, now, it wasn't so bad because with the COVID restrictions, yeah. I didn't have to go to the Cowboys games because they, they didn't allow you to, they didn't allow you in the press box. Oh, okay. um, so I was watching those games at home, and for what I had to do, uh, it really wasn't that bad. Uh, the bad part was if the games, you know, high school football, it's normally I, did, I wouldn't get home until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And then mm -hmm. a lot of times I might have to get up and uh, at the crack of dawn and get to Jackson, uh, which is about a five and a half to six hour drive from Dallas. Right. Uh, so that was a little that was a little shady a couple of times. <laughs> but, man, uh, don't nobody anybody feeling sorry for you if, if your job is covering sports. That's just exactly. what it comes with. And uh, that was just all part of the process. Oh, yeah. We're talking with John Jack Taylor of uh, uh, columnist with the Dallas Morning News. And uh, he recently put out a very, very uh, good article about Deion Sanders and the rise of uh, uh, HBCU football. Um, were you surprised he took the job? Uh, not really. I mean, he'd been trying to be he'd been trying to get into college coaching for several years. Uh, mm -hmm. He had interviewed with Arkansas, he had interviewed uh, or had some conversations with Florida State. Um, he let it known that he wanted to be a coach. So that didn't surprise me. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and when you're trying to break in, sometimes you got to go where you can go. And right. um, it was a good opportunity for him because at, at that particular time, obviously, uh, we're still talking about George Floyd. In the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. and uh, you know it was kind of ripe to go to an HBCU. 
because there's a lot of groundswell for sending people there, sending kids there. And so if you're going to go to an HBCU and have an opportunity to succeed, then actually felt like a pretty good time to do it. So I wasn't that surprised. I mean, basically, he'd been coaching since he retired. Right. So I, I remember the story football. about him coaching in the uh, yeah. you know, Trinity and, uh, you know, the, the program that was actually kind of uh, was in the uh, local news for, you know, probably for like a, in trouble or something like that. But obviously, you know that better than anybody else. But Well, uh, you know, so he'd been coaching for a while. So the fact that he finally got an opportunity inside to pull the trigger on it, that part alone didn't really surprise me that much. Mm hmm. And I think what really struck many people, you know, that I think when people started to take him seriously was when his own son, Shadir Sanders, the quarterback who flipped from Florida Atlantic to go to his father. Um, and then this year in the recruiting war, the number two recruit, Travis Hunter, switched from, ironically, uh, Dion's alma mater, FSU, to go to uh, Jackson State. Do you know the the reasoning behind like how in the world a number two kid who would could go anywhere and ended up going to Jackson state. Was it the NIL deal or was there anything, something that, uh, you know, we need to be know about? Well, at one level, it really was not that complicated. Um, he's a guy, you know, you have to ask yourself first, why did he want to go to Florida state? All right. He grew up yeah. in Florida. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to Florida State because Deion Sanders was his favorite player of all time. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to go emulate Deion at Florida State and hopefully become the next Deion, if ever. <laughs> is that something that anybody could ever do? Yes, sir. So um, now I don't know all the details, but at some point along the way, Florida State got crossways with his mother. Um. And his mother kind of said, hey, I'd probably like for you to go anywhere but Florida State. Oh, really? <laughs> so um, once she kind of made that known or they had that conversation or whatever, whenever Florida State wasn't part of the equation, mm -hmm. wow. then, okay, where am I going to go? I can still go wherever I want to go. Yeah. But uh, he had this good relationship with Dion. Dion mm -hmm. was his favorite player. He right. wants to be a cornerback. Mm-hmm. Where can I best fit to go get prepped for the National Football League? It's probably Deion Sanders. Uh -huh. uh, there's, there's not a better cornerback. There's not a guy who'll be more honest with me. And, um, you know, while he's trying to do all this, they're sending pictures of bass fish to each other because they both love bass fishing. Mm -hmm. So um, they're, they're, they're building a relationship based on their love of football, also their love of fishing. Sure. And also this guy's quest to be great because he's not – I've talked to him a couple times now. He's not a regular 18-year-old. And whenever I'm talking about him, give this example. I was talking to him at one point, actually the very first time I spoke to him, and uh, he was naming – I can't remember how we got on this, but he was like, you know, I'm a really good listener. So you don't have to tell me things twice. Well, most 18-year-olds don't understand that listening is one of the best traits and qualities you can have. Right. And so when he said that, I was like, okay, he's not really – he's a different kind of dude. And uh, you talk to people out at uh, Jackson State, and almost everybody verbatim says he's just different. He's got an it factor about him. He's got a charisma to him. 
and uh, he's just a different kind of cat. So, yeah, he has a couple NIL deals. Uh, I've been told that they're worth less than $250,000. i am sure he'll get more the better he plays. Sure. But, hey, that ain't against the rules, bro. So, if <laughs> now, they said they haven't paid him. They yeah. don't have to lie about it because sure. there's nothing that says you can't pay him. Look at Texas A&M. Yeah. I mean, they pay for all their guys. Texas <laughs> is playing this offensive lineman reportedly $50,000. Uh, Ryan Day at Ohio State said, I need 13 men to keep my team intact. I mean, so if they were paying them, who cares? It's not a big deal. Uh, exactly. But they're not. And so, you know, that he just made a choice for him. I don't know how many other five-star guys would do that, but it was the right decision for him. And uh, we'll see how it works out for him. Yeah, without a doubt. I live in Columbus area, so I, I know the uh, the backstory about Ryan Day wanting at least $13 million to the local business in order to be uh, to be competitive in the NIL deals. I know the uh, the deal, uh, well, not the deal, I'm sorry. The the Hunter recruiting thing really ruffled uh, Nick Saban the wrong way. Uh, obviously, he and Dion has done commercials with Affleck. You know, there's a strong relationship there. And then Nick Saban goes on and uh, pick a fight with uh, Jimbo Fisher, who you who just referred to having a uh, the number one recruiting class, but all the offensive linemen making 50 G's and stuff like that. Um, is this some sort of a the, the reckoning in college football where HBCU kids are? you know, becoming more social and socially aware, you know, uh, with what's going on in the world today and then that they feel more comfortable going to places like, you know, HBCUs uh, run by Dion rather than going to, uh, you know, traditional colleges or is or am I overreading too much into that? I mean, I think I think they're really just everybody's got to make their own individual choice. I think what happens is what do kids want to do? They want to play for national championships. They want to get to the league. If you think if you can help me get to the league, I don't really care where you are. I'll go. And so if they think Dion can help them get to the league by maximizing their talent, by teaching them how to play, by helping them become the best possible player they can become, mm-hmm. then other guys will go there. Mm-hmm. If they don't think that, then they won't go. And so, you know, this was his first full season. Right. And he sent a kid named James Houston to the Detroit Lions. Well, James Houston transferred from Florida, linebacker, defensive lineman, kind of a tweener, 6'1", 240 pounds. Uh, I think he ended up with 16 and a half sacks, 24 and a half tackle for loss and seven forced fumbles. Mm -hmm. And if he had been two inches taller, he probably would have been a second or third round pick, if not a first round pick. But he's two inches shorter at 6'1", and so he lasted to the seventh round or the sixth round. Uh, my point being, if these guys develop and they dominate, then they're going to get drafted. Um, and as they get more, as more of them get drafted, then, um, you know, more will show up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's just the way it works. If right. Travis Hunter uh, has a kind of year that um, most people expect him to have on offense and defense, then nobody's going to be surprised if some wide receiver cornerback who's a you know five-star, four-star next year comes to Jackson State to play mm-hmm. for play for Dion. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. And um, 
We're talking with JJT, uh, John Jock Taylor, columnist with the Dallas Morning News, and also his own podcast, Jam Session, which can be heard on Spotify and I, uh, Apple Podcast, which I listen to regularly and enjoy, which is why I have him on tonight on the AA team tonight. Um, I wanted to uh, close out the, uh, the Dion question with this one. I'm curious to know how long do you think he's going to coach at uh, Jackson State? Because eventually his star is going to rise. And, you know, FSU, his alma mater, is struggling. At some point, you know, FSU is going to throw some money and say, hey, I want you to help revive the program. Or if J Jerry Jones, you know, who you know so much covering the Cowboys, if he's desperate and maybe, you know, crazy things have happened before, if Jerry Jones says, hey, I want you to help transform the Cowboys, you know, who, who you know, Someone like Dion probably have a hard time saying no. What do you think is going to be the uh, end game for uh, Dion's coaching career? Where going forward? Um, oh, oh, you lost him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he got a phone call or something. But we'll wait for the uh, uh, JJT to come back and uh, try and wrap it up uh, before we head out. But. Uh, so far, um... well, it's an interesting conversation that you guys are having. These historically black college universities, there, are, there, are, there is a lot of, from all of my reading, there appears to be a lot of social awareness going on among a lot of players. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of them are saying, you know, why make the Alabamas and the Notre Dames richer and richer? Uh, let me let me start helping to build my the, a program that serves my community. So, anyways, uh, JJ too back. Yeah, man, I don't know. What, I don't know what happened. This ain't no ass gone. You know, Sorry. man. I think um, you know. I, you know, Dion is not your typical dude, man. So um, you can't you can't look at him and talk to him and think about him and like like you would typical people because he's not. He's mm -hmm. a he's a really unique unique cat. And uh, and I say that to say. Um, you know, I've, I've asked him this several times. His answer has never changed, and it didn't change, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's the same answer. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about it. I'm getting to the, I'm getting to where I'm going, but I'm, I'm just giving you the background. We talked about this the other day as it relates to, uh, to, to, a, to a different conversation we were having, and, and, and this is basically it. Like, Dion doesn't worry about where am I going? You know, do I want to go to Florida State? Do I want to go to Ohio State? You know, do I want some other job? He just doesn't worry about stuff like that. This is what he does. This is what he says. And this is what we talked about literally uh, three days ago, mm -hmm. which is if you live in a moment yeah. and you dominate your moment, whatever that moment is, you dominate it. You're the best you can possibly be at that moment. Then the opportunities to do other stuff will come. You don't have to worry about this, that, or the other thing. They will show up. Meaning, uh, we were actually talking about something for me because he was talking about the SI story. He said, man, it turned out great. And I was like, well, like we always say, sometimes you get an opportunity. Yes. When the opportunity comes, if you body that thing, if you dominate it, if you destroy it, and you you do very well, 
then more opportunities will follow. Mm -hmm. If you get that up and you have no idea what those opportunities will be. Sure. If you get that opportunity and you mess it up, you screw it up, you don't dominate it, maybe you get another opportunity, maybe you don't. And so I've kind of adopted the same thing because uh, he's kind of taught me that over the years. And that's a long way of me saying he ain't worried about the future because if they go 13-0 and 0 this year and win the Celebration Bowl, there will be opportunities to coach other schools. Sure. Maybe he'll take those opportunities. Maybe he won't. But the opportunities will be there. And so he doesn't really worry about the future, man. He just stays in the moment, dominate the moment, and then see what the future brings. Guess what? When the future gets here. Mm -hmm. um, that keeps him locked in. That keeps him focused. That keeps him doing the best he can do at whatever he's doing at this particular moment. And... Um, you know that's a good that's a good uh, good approach to take. Now, I, my personal opinion is that uh, you know his son is a sophomore, right? Um, so, you know, I can see him being there three years uh, till Shador, and maybe four if Shador needs a fourth before he's ready for the NFL or before he thinks he's ready for the NFL. Mm -hmm. I could see if the right job opened itself up and they they had an undefeated year and won the black college championship i could see him leaving after the season if it was the right job um you know the interesting thing about today's college football is with uh with the transfer portal and the yeah. transfer rules if he if he decides to leave let me say that so everybody's clear if he if 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 he decides to go somewhere mm -hmm. he can certainly take the best players at jackson state with him Right. It could be his son, you know, he has a, he's a yeah, pretty yeah. good I mean, quarterback. So that's a non, that's just a long way of saying nobody, including Dion, knows what the future holds. The difference is while the rest of us care and we're speculating about the future, he really doesn't care mm -hmm. because he's going to be fine however the future ends up. Sure. All right, JJT, uh, we're going to close out the uh, interview uh, with about the you starting your own media company. You also uh, teach his journalism class at uh, SMU in Dallas. Um, working outside of, uh, you know, obviously your full time job and uh, tell us about how you started your own company. And, you know, when you teach young students, you know, who are just fresh out of high school. And, uh, you know, in the today, today's world where, you know, hot takes and, uh, you know, clicks and likes are, are something of, a, you know, uh, more, more prevalent and important than ever. What's the most important thing you, you know, focus, whether you're teaching the future journalist, as well as when you, you know, you're still uh, a great writer with uh, such a, you know, great story to tell. What's the most important thing you make sure you follow as well as you want the future journalist uh, students to follow any principles, any, you know, policies and stuff. Oh, I think um, uh, I've taught the, my class at SMU for, uh, I just finished year number nine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I literally tell them the same thing. I deliver it a little different every year, but it's the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's what I do, which is um, number one, you have to be authentic. You literally yes. just have to be yourself, whoever you are. 
you have to be authentic. And if you're authentic, then people will tend to gravitate towards you, tend to trust you because you're being real. Um, so number one is be authentic and be whoever you are. Mm -hmm. And number two is your work got to be good. <laughs> like, you know, if your work is good, then everything else falls in line. Mm -hmm. If you if you scream in as loud as you can to compensate for your lack of work, mm -hmm. then you're not going to last long. You know, people talk about, I want to be Stephen A. Smith. Okay, that's cool. Stephen A. makes about $10 million a year. If you listen sure. to reports, that's cool. Did you know Stephen A. was one of the best NBA beat writers in the country before he got to ESPN? That he was a columnist at the you know Philadelphia Inquirer? Yeah. I mean, he was a badass reporter before he became, quote, screaming A. Smith. <laughs> um, so his foundation has always been I'm a badass reporter. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, he's ascended to the place where he is. Uh, right. Adam Schefter. I've known Adam Schefter for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he covered the Broncos. I covered the Cowboys. We used to talk a lot uh, because the teams used to do a lot of business together. Mm -hmm. So why is Adam Schefter where he is now? Because he's a badass reporter. Right. <laughs> that's, he broke a lot of stories. And sure. then he moved into TV. But mm -hmm. first, what was it? He was a badass reporter. And so I tell people all the time, you just you just have to do what you do. You have to find a niche or a niche, whichever you prefer. And then <laughs> you got to dominate that thing. And if you mm -hmm. dominate it, the money will come. The opportunities will come. Everything that you're trying to do will come if you mm -hmm. dominate those opportunities that you're given by being, number one, a terrific reporter or storyteller or whatever your niche is in the business. Mm -hmm. um, I started my company for one reason and one reason only. I got sick and tired of getting laid off. <laughs> like, and you know. Um, yeah, I understand. I got furloughed uh, during the pandemic and, uh, you know, yeah. just uh, uh, a lot of us went through that too, so. Now a lot of people have, so, you know. Um, I like, I'm gonna say this, man. Um, a lot of my friends have talked about this for a long time. You know, the pandemic was really a reset. Yeah. And when the, as we move out of it, it, it's clear to me that some people took advantage of the reset and some people didn't. And if you took advantage of the reset, you could really find yourself in a much better spot, even though we all had to go through the pandemic and it was not a, it was not a pleasurable thing, enjoyable thing to, to experience. But yes, if you sir. took advantage of it, mm -hmm. you could come out better. And so, you know, I ain't asking nobody to throw me a pity party and none of that. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to speak facts. Yes. The year I got laid off from uh, ESPN, I won two national awards for writing. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I got laid off. Sure. Um, I couldn't come to a contract agreement with uh, NBC. Uh, I was doing local Cowboys coverage from them. Uh, yes, dominating the market that I was in in terms yeah. of writing for because I was writing columns and covering sure. the team uh, as an insider. Uh, mm -hmm. Dominated. Yes. They wanted me to take a 50% pay cut. Like, y'all tripping. Like, <laughs> I mean, really, y'all are tripping. Yeah. Um, had a local radio show on ESPN in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, got a new partner, Matt McLaren. That's mm -hmm. who I do the podcast with now. And we took the show 
from 31st, which is dead last, number one draft pick, to uh, number 11. Mm-hmm. We got up to number 11. Uh, we had pretty much been told we were going to drive time three to seven, which is where the big money is and what everybody aspires to do. And we got laid off uh, probably six weeks after that conversation. Yes, sir. So three times essentially in four years was enough for me to go, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had no idea what it was going to look like. Um, mm-hmm. I had, uh, and so I created something. Yeah. And what I ended up creating is that um, uh, I write personal stories, which mm-hmm. is for, for people or couples celebrating anniversaries or weddings or uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, and it's true, sure. everybody has a story. Yes. They just don't get, most people just don't get the opportunity to tell their story. Mm-hmm. So if you want to tell your dad's story for Father's Day, you call me, you send me an email, I re- and you say, hey, I want to tell my dad's story. I interview you and family members. Maybe I interview your dad. I write you a story, the same quality that you would find in the Dallas Morning News or mm-hmm. Sports Illustrated or Anscape. Uh, I put some pictures around it. I frame it. I deliver it. And your dad goes, oh, my God, I've never had anything so great. So, like I said, so I do those types of personal stories. Um, I think you had a shot at my website. You can see them all over my website. Yes. Uh, and then I have other clients like the Morning News, Anscape, and some others that mm-hmm. I write for. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, sometimes they have, they have me freelance jobs. Some things are more steady, more consistent. Um, and so that's what my business is. I'm just creating content. I'm telling stories. I'm just telling stories from a different perspective, depending on who the client is. And uh, I've been um, uh, I've been thrilled by the reception. And that's what happens um, because I had this conversation with Eric Williams, the former Cowboys uh, right tackle, all pro. Mm -hmm. Uh, I bumped into him today and we were talking. He was asking me what I was doing and I was telling him. And, um, you know, one of the things I told him is I never had the desire to be a big national star. My whole goal was always to be the king of Dallas. Uh, not that I didn't, I wouldn't say I reached that, but mm-hmm. I'm in the conversation of people who are big, well-known journalists in Dallas. Yes. And so when that happens is when you start doing your own thing, because your name has a little bit of cachet to it in the city, you can operate a lot easier than if it didn't have cachet when you're starting a business like this. Sure. So I've been blessed and I've been fortunate that uh, I started it in July 2020. So I'm coming up on two years. Uh, I'm, it's doing great. Uh, I mean, it really is. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some things in the works that will make it even better. Um, but, uh, you know, man, it, I couldn't be happier about the direction of it's going, uh, what I got lined up and, and how it's going. And um, I love it because I'm in control of my life. I vacation when I want to vacation. I work when I want to work. I take off when I want to take off. And, uh, you know, man, sometimes bad stuff happens. But if you if you had the right attitude, the right mentality, you can turn mm-hmm. it into a positive. Well, on that note, JJT, listen, I've enjoyed your work. I lived in Dallas for only a few years. But, um, you know, I'm actually planning on coming back uh, later in the fall. And uh, we'll continue to listen to your podcast and uh, – I'm assuming you're going to be covering Dion again uh, throughout the uh, the football season again this year, correct? 
yeah, that's the plan, man. So I okay. spent a lot of time there. I spent a lot of time with the Cowboys. Those mm-hmm. will probably be my two biggest deals in the fall. Um, I got some other stuff in the works, but I got to kind of fit those in around mm-hmm. those. Things. Awesome. You know, uh, I hope that uh, fans will uh, continue to read your work. Uh, you know, the Dion Sanders journey is a very, very fascinating one. And, you know, I'm really excited to uh, follow, you know, where Dion is going and uh, how you convey his uh, story on uh, your article and uh, paper and print. JJT, I'm so sorry with all the technical difficulties and everything, but uh, we'd love to have you back on. If you want to come back and promote your book or our work or whatever, you know, you can always reach me and we'd love to have you on again at some point, sir. Okay. I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. Good luck to you. Have a good one. Thank you. And with that, uh, we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll have AJ Perez from the front office sports joining us uh, after a commercial break. Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo join these White Sox fanatics every Monday night for the South Burbs Hitmen. You're going to be treated to great guests, top analysis, smart debates. South Burbs Hitmen with Zim, Joe, Benny, and Gonzo only on the Barroom Network. And welcome back to the uh, the Double A team. I'm Steven Nagishi. Uh, I'm uh, flying solo tonight. Uh, for uh, Ken Fang is off tonight for health reasons. Uh, but we'll be back hopefully in two weeks from tonight for the next episode of the Double A team. Uh, we apologize for all the technical glitches and problems that we've had a little bit tonight. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed the uh, conversations of uh, John Jock Taylor. And uh, if you're interested in following Deion Sanders and his journey. Uh, this upcoming football season, please follow him on Twitter and also follow him uh, on his uh, work, not just with that SI this week, but also unscathed, uh, formerly the uh, undefeated. All right. The next guest is uh, a senior reporter with the uh, front office sports, which I think a lot of us are probably not yet familiar with. Uh, he is a senior reporter who lives in the D.C. area. Uh, let's welcome in A.J. Perez from the uh, the front office sports. Uh, AJ, I think you have yourself muted there. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm so sorry the interview got a little bit pushed back with the technical difficulties. How are you tonight? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. All righty. Let's just d- dive in. What is front office sports and uh, how did it, uh, how did the front office sports start? It? Oh, so I actually started back in college. Uh, my the, our, uh, our CEO, um, Adam White, and our CFO, um, Russ, uh, he, uh, they, they started the, they started back at, um, in college. They started as basically a kind of, a, a, a newsletter. That's what, that's basically at it, at, at, at its core, we're still a newsletter company. Um, but they, uh, I was part of the hiring process. I was like employee number 10, I think, uh, two years ago. Um, and they kind of geared up where we kind of started covering more stuff, more newsletters, some more, uh, more in-depth stories. And uh, now we're up almost 50 employees now and growing. Um, so we have, uh, what a speed we've been reaching all these benchmarks as far as page views on the site to opens uh, daily opens into the thousands every day. And we've been consistently growing during the pandemic, which is pretty shocking because I would say it came pretty much came. I, I took a break from journalism for several months after USA Today to focus on, on my personal training business. 
didn't mm-hmm. and uh, this, and this job came about and I was like just interested because uh, Mike McCarthy, the other senior reporter, and I uh, worked together at USA Today. Um, and uh, mentioning layoffs that we were both laid off uh, different years, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> my first go around at USA Today. So uh, so that it was kind of a, 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 that was that. That, that part of the uh, JJT thing was pretty good. Uh, so um, I can relate. So, yeah. <laughs> so we've all been there. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so this is our site. We're going to revamp the site in a, in a few weeks. It looked much different. Oh. Um, but that's our site now. And, yes, uh, um, and uh, so basically, we have three newsletters uh, every day, uh, every weekday, AM, PM, FOS. And then there's a scoreboard, which is more of a general sports, less yep. sports business focused. And uh, we have newsletters on the weekend as well. Um, uh, we share the writing duties for the for the Saturday column. You, you uh, scroll down there. You saw the the story uh, Mike McCarthy and I did on uh, just the billion dollars spent over the last uh, about uh, uh, a little yes. less than two years. A uh, billion dollars spent on the uh, on these uh, on, on 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 talent, and that's we you know that's including all the movement we've seen with Monday Night Football. As the as you see the the main art there is uh, Aikman and Buck moving to ESPN, and uh, obviously mm-hmm. Amazon getting Al Michaels and ramping up their their uh production um because this is the first year they're gonna have to do their own um producing and um shooting the games uh for Thursday Night Football where it where it had been um largely uh, NFL network. Was this some sort of a perfect storm where you know Aikman and Buck were kind of uh, leaning towards leaving and then ESPN were having their problems with the Monday night football crew, you know, uh ever since uh Tirico and Gruden left and you know, they went through, you know, multiple changes. Uh, was this, uh, you know, what kind of like a perfect storm people leave? Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, they had the uh, streaming deal with uh, Amazon and perhaps even Apple, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it was like early on, it looked like Aikman was going to go to Amazon uh, because he, he his contract was up at the, at the end of last season. Um, and, and Buck still had a year left. So we didn't expect it wasn't. That was kind of a, a little bit of a shock that um, we, we knew Aikman could have moved. He was happy to stay with Fox, but there just wasn't a lot of communication there between, um, and that was kind of, that kind of, you know, a lot of people were talking and even, even Aikman came out afterwards saying, yeah, we have, I didn't never talk to any, you know, I've never, I, didn't, I didn't talk to any of the higher ups at, at, uh, at Fox, you know, about, you know, st- staying around, getting an extension. Um, but the, them moving together was, that was kind of surprising. It wasn't much of a shock that Al Michaels went to, um, to, to Amazon. Um, and then obviously with the booth that Fox now has, um, uh, with Burkhart and um, Olsen. Um, Olsen's going to be kind of a placeholder until Tom Brady retires. Tom Brady. Uh, and this whole, and, 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 and obviously uh, CBS with their box, you know, this Romo started this whole thing, you know, Romo kind of, uh, he got, he, he, uh, he quit, um, you know, he, he retired with CBS. That was a surprise move a few years ago. And he was so great at his job early on that I think mm-hmm. that, 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 that opened the door for a lot of uh, you know, current and soon to be retired players or recently retired players. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think uh, the irony is that uh, Aikman can thank uh, Romo from one former cowboy to another for the uh, big time payoff there. Uh, the yes. reason why I brought you uh, on tonight is, uh, you know, you've been you live in the D.C. area, Northern Virginia mm-hmm. area, where, um, you know, you cover the Washington uh, Commanders, uh, formerly mm-hmm. the football team and the Redskins, now the Commanders. And they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the series of dysfunction, you know. You know, I'm a Bears fan. You know, uh, this show is based out of, you know, recorded and produced yeah. in Chicago. And we talk a lot of yeah. crap about the dysfunctional, the, the Bears organization under the McCaskies. But I tell you, 
watching and reading the Reds, uh, you know, the Commanders. I'm sorry. And they're it's they're, a, it's it's really it, hard it just to break makes that. Chicago so. Bears look, uh, you know, somewhat slightly competent. Um, you know, the Dan Snyder and all the stories. Can you kind of give us a, an idea where? Where things are, you know, obviously the the article that's been posted on Goodell and Snyder having to appear on a congressional hearing. Why, yeah. why are they appearing in, in front of a congressional hearing? Well, this all started. This you can go ahead and blame whoever leaked the Gruden emails um, way back in October. Um, uh, the first story was Wall Street Journal. The second story that ended up getting Gruden fired was in the New York Times. Um, right. That with it w- within days, this congressional committee, the the House Oversight Committee, which I I, I cover this committee going way back to uh, the Mitchell Report days with the, uh, with the, um, the same committee uh, did the steroid investigation. So uh, totally different members, or maybe one or two members that are still the same, but from you know, 15 or 14 years ago. But um, so they, they started looking into it, into the toxic workplace claims, which were awful. And there were, mm-hmm. you know, there's still, we never got a written report out of the NFL. And that's, you know, what didn't surprise us. But, that, the, but the fact the investigator, Beth Wilkinson, was, was asked not to provide the NFL with a written report was very, was pretty shocking. Um, so we don't know exactly everything that, um, you know, that she found. And that hasn't made, been, been made public. So now there's a second investigation going on into, and this, this started in uh, February, after, right around the time of, of the Super Bowl. There was another hearing. There was a, the first uh, roundtable hearing in front of this committee on this investigation. And there was a new claim made against Dan Snyder that he put his hand on a then uh, then team employee, which he denies, called lies. His, his spokespeople call that sort of outright lies is like that was the direct quote there. Um, but it but from there it went and I, we had the story. You know, I heard it. I was at the owners meetings and I was digging around on uh, that they kind of shifted towards looking at the financial side of it. And we broke the story about the team allegedly holding back t- uh, ticket revenue from the league, um, ticket revenue uh, outside of luxury boxes and outside parking. And, you know, obviously concessions, the ticket revenue on the upper and lower bowls have to, has to be shared with the visiting team, a portion of it. And the, the, um, they, the allegations that Congress got, then I was able to, uh, was was able to report out that um, that the team held back some of that. Now we're not talking about a lot of money. We're maybe a few million dollars in the grand scheme of things. It's not that huge, but when you start, but when you start, uh, you know, when you you have this, and then you have the allegations that were made, uh, two prior allegations against Dan Snyder, which he also denied, um, that directly that 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 linked him to to um, uh, you know at least a toxic. <laughs> Uh, workplace uh, now he, that was linked back to him when it came to the videos and other stuff that he he also denied uh, but when you look at that and then we have 20 22 plus years as owner where the team hasn't won um the year has been they've they've had uh trouble um you know keeping fans in the stadium you know that's probably mo- largely because it's not a winning team but sure. it's also that the he didn't he, he didn't uh, center didn't develop the land right around um the stadium because he he took over the team a couple years after it opened uh, Jack Kent Cook built that stadium, and there's a lot of issues with where it was built, traffic-wise, and also how cheaply it was built. And we see now that these pipes are failing, and stuff gets on fans, and including sewage. It's just there's been so many just you know black eyes one after the other for the franchise, where it's to the point where now that their stadium proposals are fifteen thousand or so less seats, because I think they I think there's a little. I think they even know that you know it's going to be hard to uh, fill up uh, a stadium as big as FedEx Field is now. Um, yeah. when they when they do build this new one. Now you could recoup a lot of that, if not all of it, easily with the luxury suites. But then you have corporate, you know, there's been a lot of these, especially the women who work for the team have really mounted a PR campaign and targeted 
um, the sponsors. And, uh, you know, Budweiser left. We did, they didn't cite exactly why, but Budweiser left. FedEx threatened to leave if they didn't change the name of the team. So it's it's one after the other. And um, now their stadium deal here in Virginia is dead for this year. Um, like, yeah, they could move forward with the privately financed stadium, but they're at first they're going to get a billion dollars towards a $3 billion new stadium. Um, now it was down to $300 million in March, and now that bill's not even going to come up for a vote this year. So there's a lot of obstacles right now, and they all kind of point to you know Dan Snyder and how a lot of people around here feel about him. Well, uh, obviously, with the uh, the cheerleading scandal, the you know the the ticket ticket fiasco, and all of this, and then if you throw in the uh, the Gruden, you know, who apparently was sending uh, emails to was it uh, Allen? Uh, yeah, yeah, Bruce name. Allen. Yeah, Bruce Allen. Thank you so much, Bruce yeah. Allen, uh, former uh, you know Washington football team president, and then now you throw in all of this. It's just a one massive massive dysfunctional mess and obviously i think of in a per, in a perfect world people like dan snyder would probably you know if he wasn't an owner he'd probably get his ass booted a long long time ago but obviously that's not how things work in the nfl unfortunately yeah but there have been some a lot of rumblings that the, the nfl owners are finally finally fed up with uh, snyder um what what are you hearing? And do you really think that the Snyder could be forced to sell the team outright, like what we saw with the um, you know Jerry Richardson, you know, formerly of the uh, Carolina Panthers, and and if you if you go to a more well noted um, uh, case, uh, you know uh, Donald Sterling having to force yeah. to sell his team. Are we looking uh, that type of situation with the NFL? One of the odd things I kind of found it reporting out this story that Jerry Richardson would not have been forced to sell they, he would have, he would have likely retained the team. He, they, he would, if there could have been a fight like he, he could have been urged to sell, which I think he may have been behind closed doors, but if he stayed and fought, I really think he would still be the owner right now of the Carolina Panthers. That is, it's and as bad as allegations were and sure. you have racism, you have sexual harassment there, you know, there was, you know, a good, the people I've talked to think that there was a good chance he, he could have stayed on. Um, he didn't want to. Obviously, he there was so much smoke that he that he got out and smartly sold his team for a couple billion dollars, uh, a lot more than what he paid the expansion fee for in the '90s. Um, but yeah, there's there's reports. See, obviously, around the Super Bowl, the day of the Super Bowl, that um, uh, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk reported that there's rumblings, and then you heard then about three weeks ago, Jared Bell, USA Today, my former coworker, reported that there that there's some owners even counting votes. I for my my sources were not there yet. I don't even know if we're there to a point where they're going to say, hey, Dan, sell the team. Because a big thing that what what's happened in other sports, and you mentioned Sterling and the Dodgers with McCourt. McCourt was more financial related. Sterling was obviously had many other issues in that, um, that they, um, you know, they don't want to make an example out of Snyder because they, you know, they don't want to set a precedent. I've, I've been told this multiple sources around the league owner, in ownership in the front offices around the NFL. Or it's not that Snyder knows where the skeletons are or anything like that. He may have some secrets, but it's it's more that they don't want to make an example out of him, make it and 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 um and just an over you know, fear, either unjust or real fear that it could turn around on them in a few years if something happens with their organizations. So yeah. more likely, it's, he's going to be asked or strongly asked to sell. But that's not we're not even there yet, right? There's so many investigations going on. We got you. You have the the congressional one. You have the attorneys general in Virginia and D.C. 
have their investigations going off of what Congress sent to the Federal Trade Commission. We don't know if the Federal Trade Commission is doing an investigation. We don't know if Maryland's doing an investigation since they were also included in that letter to the Federal Trade Commission that was off of these financial um, improprieties, these alleged financial improprieties. Um, and then we also have the second investigation by the NFL, this time done by former SEC Chair Mary Jo White. And her investigation is ongoing, and it will cover both the toxic workplace, the allegations, and the latest allegation made against Snyder, as well as the financial um, part of it that Congress looked into or is looking into. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had JJT on, who's a, uh, a longtime, uh, you know, uh, beat writer and columnist in the, uh, with the Dallas Morning News and having covered the Cowboys. One rumor, or, you know, maybe you could refute this, is Dan Snyder, you've mentioned, uh, probably have a pretty good, strong ally in uh, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. Uh, is that somewhat uh, Jerry Jones kind of like hold the key to in all of this? He may. Um, and actually, he was one of the few owners who was openly talking about Dan Snyder at the owners meetings down in West Palm Beach a couple months ago. You know, I, I just, I, I, you know, I just kind of, I didn't corner him. He was walking out to uh, the valet and I, uh, and I just kind of started talking to him about it. And he was like, you know, a lot of the thing was, cause uh, this was right before the press, the Goodell's press conference. Um, and he basically said, uh, Dan Snyder, you know, he kind of, when this back in July, when they announced the fine against the team, the team was fined $10 million at the end of the first investigation. Um, but, and he just, and he stepped aside on his own. That's what we were told. Uh, now the there has been rumors that he was kind of told to step aside and let him, and and his wife Tani became the day to day operations head. Now whether that actually happened or not, that's been debated. Mm -hmm. um, but you know Jerry Jones said that he could he could have been here. He does you know he he's uh, you know Tani is a good replacement for, for for Dan, but Dan had the right to be at the owners' meetings. He has the right to manage the team. And Goodell minutes later, Goodell kind of implied that he'd have to have a talk with him before he took over. He kind of regained his. Uh, his day-to-day -day role with the team, which was kind of very strange. Um, so that, so there's always, there's all this, there's a lot of, you know, I have to like read tea leaves almost when <laughs> for some of this NFL stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's, he, he is a strong ally and he, and Jerry does you know, hold a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of sway with, with ownership on um, whether he could save Dan Sider or not. If everything, if these investigations come back and things look bad, I, that's, I don't think he can, he's going to step in. And uh, if it's some really bad allegations come out, and other owners are so upset about it. You know, you need 24 owners to remove and to remove somebody. Just like how the when the when the Broncos are, are going to go through this approval process, um, Rob Walton needs 24 owners to agree that he's you know, he should which would it won't be a problem. They've already pretty much vetted him out, so he's going to he's going to be the next owner of the Broncos. That'll probably happen June or well, probably by the end of July, if not early August. They'll have a special meeting to approve him after the finance committee gives their um, their okay. So that's what you need. Are there 24 owners right now um, out there to to unseat him? And I, and I don't think there's enough out there at this point yet. Um, and there's a lot out there. I think a lot of the fans, you know, think there's plenty. And that's one of the hard things about reporting on this team is every time you report something, they think it's going to be the final nail. It's the final nail. It's going to be nothing. <laughs> it's just, it does, it, it takes so much. And um, mm -hmm. and I, I'm not out here to get downside or anybody else. I'm just out here to find out what the truth is. And it's a lot hard, harder when everybody has NDAs. So <laughs> that's without a doubt. And, um, you know, obviously over the weekend, uh, Jack Del Rio uh, made some uh, crazy comments about, uh, yeah. you know, the Jan 6, res uh, you know, resurrection. Yeah, right before the hearings, right before the hearings, he says this. I'm like, are you, 
And I, we, I've, seen, I've seen him around at bars. I'm not shocked by it at all. And I've seen him around. I've seen, I, I, you know, we probably don't live very far from each other. So I've seen him around. Um, but, uh, but it's like, we, and being, and people who are around the team know what he's all about, but yeah, I'd call it a dust up right before, you know, the, the video that we all saw from the hearing last week. And it's like, really, and it's like, it just these all these unforced errors. This team is just, it's, and I, and you have to feel bad for Martin Mayhew and Jason Wright, who, you know, who, who are still not, you know, they've been there for over a year now. But yeah. uh, Jason's been there for a little longer. But, you know, they have to deal with this. You know, they're the GM and the president of the team who are now the new face of this, and they can't even get past it because, like, so this yeah. stuff happens. And it's like I feel bad in a way for them because, you know, they're they, – they, it's not – well, they signed up for this job knowing probably that this is, uh, you know, this is the, uh, the environment that they were coming into. But it was, right. you didn't have to exacerbate it by what Jack Del Rio did. Absolutely. It's just a toxic environment, and, you know. Uh, between uh, Dan Snyder and uh, obviously, you know, uh, probably the, the way the organization runs is, uh, you know, a reflection of, uh, you know, who the Snyder is truly from, you know, inside and outside, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, we want to transition in, transition over to, you know, Deshaun Watson case for a moment, because mm-hmm. I think there's a bit of a correlation, you know, you know, you don't look at the, uh, you know, NFL owners, whether it's, you know, maybe not just in the NFL, but, I've kind of gotten the idea, you know, with the uh, uh, the Chelsea ownership with the Roman Abramovich, you know, being a Russian oligarch and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's not exactly, you know, owners are exactly, uh, you know, somebody with uh, strong morality. If you look at the people like Dan Snyder and even, you know, Jerry Jones, who are both probably like two peds in a pod, like, but you know, with the Deshaun Watson allegation becoming even worse and worse and, and, you know, thank God my uh, co-host Kim Fang is not here tonight, unfortunately, because he's a Browns fan and he's obviously a little bit stewed about, you know, the, the whole trade and, uh, you know, him uh, facing more allegations. Uh, do you think with the NFL, there's a bit of a, a morality issue and, uh, you know, you know, can Roger Goodell, can, is, does he have the balls and the leadership to even, you know, come up with a right solution or a right punishment for uh, either one of these uh, cases? Yeah, it's tough. Um, and especially the, the Deshaun Watson thing is it's, you know, it's awful. All these allegations, you have 24, obviously Jenny um, did a great job at the New York times last week. just detailing there were 66 total massages over like, was it a 17 month span. Uh, wow. That was pretty good. 17 months. All right. Um, so yeah, <laughs> she did a great job with that story and uh, she's a great reporter. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, and I, and I was actually archiving the first 18, 19, 20 lawsuits and they were all boilerplate. And I was like, this is very strange. And you have a lawyer, uh, Tony Busby, who is not really, he's accustomed to bluster and accustomed to making uh, noise for his clients, but he's also not a sexual assault uh, or sexual harassment type of attorney who handles this very, mo- very often. He's a, he's a litigator. Um, so it was strange that all with all the women went to him and, you know, these, he took these cases on contingency, which means they didn't have to pay up front where sometimes these cases, they, you know, they require a lot of work and, um, so I didn't know what to think of it at first. Um, it's, it was all bad. And there had, you know, but going through all the, the, the first you know, 20, 22 lawsuits, you know, there was probably a, couple, a, a few crimes in there. Now, misdemeanor versus felony, you know, that's hard to determine with what that, because all you have is, is a complaint versus, you know, them, the, the police and then the prosecutors looking at the witness testimony and the witness interviews, actually not testimony, witness interviews. So we don't know. You know two grand juries didn't indict him. And then they thought he was free and clear. And you mentioned Schefter earlier. Schefter is probably one of the most, 
uh, you know, ill-timed tweets of his uh, <laughs> that that he's yes, had of yes. late when when he said it was like this is why the Brad this is why you know he was basically backing Watson and backing up um, you know that his representations you know view of that these were all just kind of you know uh, frivolous lawsuits. Um, but then you have you know you have more information. You got a twenty fourth accuser coming out now. You had the real sports interview that Soto O'Brien did um, with the accuser, a couple accusers. It, it just, and it, it just does not look good for the NFL. It does not look good for the Browns, especially that first year contract with the base salary being so low. If he is suspended for a year, he's not going to lose much money. There's no signs that the Browns are going to avoid this contract. Um, but uh, now the Texans are involved. I mean, the, the Texans, you know, their, their head of security, you know, get, supplied Watson with an NDA, which is to, to make these women sign. Yeah. I don't know how many women, so a, lot, a lot of them, uh, you have actually did, and that's just that, that's not a good look. So now, now the Texans are are a co-defendant in these in, in these lawsuits, and it's going to go on for for a while. And I think there's still, I think the NFL, the investigation is going on for over a year that they've been conducted. They usually wait until after the uh, police or the prosecution have wrapped up their cases, um, which I, that's pretty much appears to be done. And that's when they usually uh, hand out, you know, hand out or make a determination if there's going to be any punishment. And that's. And that's uh, that hasn't happened. Now there's probably because his work is coming out with more information out there. We don't know how many. We know that a few of them have talking to NFL investigators of the, of the accusers, and um, there's going to be some kind of. I'm I'm expecting some kind of suspension, whether it's a several games or a full season. Uh, I think that's probably gonna. That's it's it's looking that way. But it's been a very strange case, and, and I was, did some early reporting on it. It's kind of not no longer my uh, go-to as far as criminal stuff, like it was at USA Today and elsewhere, but. Um, but it was, I've been, but I've been keeping track and it's, it's not, it's not an easy spot to be in. And the Browns made it a lot worse with that contract. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, six, uh, five year, two thirty, I believe. Is it, is it fully guaranteed? Oh, there is, if it's not fully, it's most of that money is guaranteed. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. My goodness. He's basically, he missed the entire last year and then he's probably at this rate, May miss the entire, you know, 2022 as a punishment. If, yeah, he'll if, still be 26 in, after next season. I mean, after this upcoming season. So he's still going to be a young quarterback. But, you know, how much does this tarnish his, his image? And uh, it, it's, you know, I, I, we broke the story about Apple with a Beats Audio uh, dropping him um, last March or April uh, of 2021. So uh, there was a business side of the story. Um, and then there was the, the, the weird part was he was he, he had – people were reporting sponsors that he had like Rolex that were never sponsored him, which is always been, that was never corrected by his people. So that, that was kind of funny, but uh, so it's kind of, and you, I, and you feel bad for the, you know, the, the women involved, the accusers. And, you know, if the NFL doesn't take this seriously, it's going to go back to, you know, we're going back to the Ray Rice days. And even before that, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in college, you know, there, the, um, a, a book came out, um, you know, about all the crimes committed by NFL players when, and when, Maybe it was true 20-something years ago. Now, the, the NFL players are actually – they commit crimes at a much lower rate than, than the rest of society, um, in a, uh, U.S. society. Um, so, but this is – you know, th- but having this out there, and especially someone as a marquee player like Deshaun Watson, you know, allegedly doing, doing these things, and whether – he has been convicted. He, he hasn't even been found, uh, you know, liable in court for any of this. So let's put that out there that these, these are just allegations at this point. But there's so many allegations – that you know, I had, I had a story last last year. It's like that 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 GMs were in, pre, in team presidents. I I was talking to were like we're we're like given pause by just having that at that at that time. I knew there were about forty women that he went to uh, for massages because uh, Rusty Hard and his lawyer provided a list of about twenty names of massage therapists that 
that said good things about him. So, you know, you have a player going to 40 something different massage therapists in a very mm-hmm. short time when the team provides it, the teams have a lot of trainers, the teams have their own, as we saw with the New York Times story, the teams have their own massage service, you know, you know, that you go to and he chose to go on, on uh, Instagram to find these things. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been talking a lot about the morality in sports. You know, we talked about Jones and Snyder and then the uh, Watson. Um, I want to close out this uh, interview. You know, we can't ignore uh, over the weekend about the LIV tournament, the PGA, you know, war, fiasco, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, a lot of uh, big name players have, you know, somewhat defected to LIV tours. Uh, You know, the LIV, for those who are not familiar with it, it is a, a new golf alternative slash tournament or exhibition at the moment that has been backed by Saudi Arabia government. And if you've been following our, you know, show, we've, uh, you know, talked about sports whitewashing or whitewashing. Sports washing. Sports sports washing. Yeah, there you go. Sports washing, you know, China with the Olympics, uh, you know, Russia, oligarchs with the uh, European uh, soccer. You you, You got Qatar with the World Cup. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Uh, happening in November instead of uh, June, like what we're supposed to be watching at this point in time. But um, it's it's a it's a fine line between, you know, wanting to make money. And I get it. You know, we all know the story, backstory of uh, Mickelson's uh, gambling problem. And, uh, you know, we we all know, you know, we know players want to make more money. And, and, and that, that there's no denying that. I mean, you know, I mean, it pays much better, of course, even in a mid-level player like Kevin Na or others, you know, like, uh, you know, Charlie, you know, uh, who who ended up jumping ship. You know, you get a lot of money just for even being, you know, for appearing on their tournament. And it's it's a fine line, you know, having drawing a morality and asking, you know, maybe athletes and, you know, people like that. You know, to be mindful of, uh, you know, what uh, Jamal uh, Khashoggi, um, you know, now deceased uh, Washington Post uh, writer uh, and a Saudi Arabia journalist. Um, what, what are your feelings on the uh, LIB tournament and, uh, you know, the, uh, the the bickering that PGA has have, you know, with their 17 players being completely, you know, kicked out? Do you see maybe LIB and the PGA maybe perhaps reaching some sort of, um, you know, uh, a truth or maybe an agreement uh, at some point? Not anytime soon, not for the next couple of years. And it was, it was odd. I was actually covering the grid in here in a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas. And I ran into somebody who tried to cut in front of me in line um, that who ended up working for the, for the live tour. Um, and we had to go back and forth. <laughs> he was wearing a, <laughs> I, I thought he was wearing an Astros hat, but he wasn't. It was actually another, it was the minor league team. So, and we said, because I'm a Dodger fan, as you can see. So, I was, uh, yeah. Um, it, it was, and it was just kind of, because he was out there scouting for um, sites for a, for, for next year. Because uh, they're going to have maybe as many, six, maybe as six to eight tournaments in the U.S. So they're going to much, if they're, they, they want to expand much more than their handful, of, they have two or three tournaments in the U.S. this year. Uh, the first is going to be up in Oregon. Um and, you know, we had, we, and I had to ask the same questions. I was like, oh, what about for this, you know, this whole, the whole, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, the, you can say blood money if you want, and may have used that term. Um, and he was like, you know, what, what about for China? What about China? And, you know, they, and obviously them uh, basically have slave labor for, you know, the Muslim population there. Uh, with, so 
with the so like when I was like, well, and I was like, well, China made my cell phone. You know, I I was I didn't I didn't I you know we they are a trading partner and I do have issues with China. I think we all should be pay closer attention to you know civil rights both in the United States and around the world. And I'm not the Uyghurs being and basically enslaved is is awful. And I think we yeah. should we should as a country do as 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 the U.S. do as much as we can to address that. Um, but it's it's something else when you have a, a tour that's you know that's that is doesn't really you know just it's going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars and with and you watch and have to watch it on YouTube right now you have to you have to it's there there, there there's no TV partner that's going to be the next major thing what's the TV deal going to be internationally and in the U S how much money are they going to get what's the carriage going to mean what's the what's the reach going to be well, will the networks want to carry this because of the Khashoggi and everything else? And a lot of people, I mean, going back to 9-11, how many of the hijackers were from Saudi Arabia? Uh, you know, that's it is a very hot button issue, as it should be. Um, and, uh, and you know, Mickelson not answering questions about this. You know, you know, a lot of players don't want to answer questions about, you know, the, the millions that they're getting at coming from the head of a country who's, uh, whose civil rights record is so bad. Um, and uh, I think I think that's we're whether this is going to be whether people will allow sports watching to happen or will allow this tour to continue without these questions it's going to be something you have, you have to keep an eye on because it's not going to go anywhere if they don't have partnerships with 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 the tv networks if the fans don't show up to these events um you know the, the their their biggest win so far is getting uh uh bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. yeah that was the biggest win because he's still uh, he's 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 basically in his prime of his career right now. Where a lot of these other players, like Nicholson and and others, and the, and, you, and then you see the reports how much they were willing to pay Tiger Woods to come over, which is right. much more than Phil Nicholson was going to get. Sure, sure. Has gotten the two hundred million dollar figure that was reported from Nicholson. So uh, you know that's will 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 the pressure stay on on uh, you know potential sponsors and potential t- and potential TV partners to to distance themselves from the live tour going forward? Uh, they, that's going to be that's going to be uh, that. We're watching it at front front office sports, and I think a lot of sports fans and those in sports business as well are 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 too. Well, on that note, uh, we want to thank you, AJ Perez, from the front office sports. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of issues about the uh, sports and morality. There's really no right or wrong answers. Obviously, you know, rich people want to get rich, which obviously they're entitled to, of course. You know, athletes and owners, and, and and they want to stay rich. So yeah. Absolutely. And they will bend the rules. They will go, you know, around it, whatever they want to do to, um, you know, maintain the policies or the power, which is something that I've thought more and more <laughs> ever since the, the pandemic and the, uh, the 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 cracks in the societies that we see and, and so forth. But it was a great interview, AJ. Thank you so much. I know we've uh, wanted to bring you on for quite a while. And then I know we kind of uh, sidetracked, but, uh, you know, if uh, people are interested in uh, following AJ for more of the uh, the commander's news and the dysfunctionality and everything, uh, you know, please follow AJ on Twitter at by AJ Perez, one word. And uh, we look forward to having you again uh, on our show, AJ, and, and down the yeah. road. There's, there's more, um, you know, breaking news regarding the commanders and the uh, impact it will have on the NFL and so forth. Thank you so Thanks much. For ha- Thanks for having me. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm glad you liked it down there in Chicago. I saw, the, I saw the storm moving through. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching your local local CBS affiliate. Uh, uh, yeah, on here, so. yeah. Well, we're ending the show hopefully without any more problems. But the, thank you so much. We'll have to have right. you again soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And the double A team will continue in a moment. 
of having uh, altering uh no no because uh mark trustman did that and matt Nagy did that and arguably they're the worst two coaches in the history of the franchise <laughs> you're forgetting john fox he squeezes in there baby <laughs> uh did fox do that too i, I think so uh, that put the c on fields and leave it there exactly Welcome back to the Double A team. Uh, final words here. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, John Jack Taylor from uh, the Dallas Morning News and JJT Media, his own company, as well as uh, AJ Perez from Front Office Sports, uh, joining us uh, to talk uh, about their careers and their uh, and uh, the sports and uh, morality. I know we had a bit of a technical glitch earlier tonight, and uh, I appreciate the. Uh, uh, people for uh, sticking around and uh, be patient and, uh, you know, things like this happen. And uh, I'm also thankful that uh, Aldo and uh, those in the Chicago area, hopefully uh, they're not affected too much. And uh, we got to uh, uh, through the show uh, without Ken also, who's uh, dealing with uh, kidney failure himself. Uh, thank you so much, Cliff, for, uh, you know, always coming on and uh, be proactively talking to us as well. Uh, my name is Stephen Nagishi. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, we hope to have another great guest to talk about the, the sports. Um, you know, the NBA finals uh, hopefully will be wrapped up, and uh, we hope to uh, maybe talk more on that side and, uh, you know, the upcoming NBA draft and the offseason. You know, uh, there are a couple of uh, good Asian uh, basketball writers that we have, hopefully either two weeks from now or maybe in early July when the uh, free agency begins. And uh, we hope to uh, have uh, a great guest to uh, talk more about it. My name is Stephen Nagishi. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the AA Team. And we'll see you again in two weeks. Good night, everybody.